Welcome to episode 125 of The Endless Stream. I am Aiden, and this week I am joined by Brian. We are two artists, illustrators, filmmakers, and all-round shit-talkers, and each week we take some of The Endless Stream of content brought to you through Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Spotify, YouTube, Disney+. Plus. Wherever you get your content, we take a chunk of it, we watch it, and we talk about it. This week we are talking about all of the Marvel news and the comic book news and the Aquaman trailer and all of that stuff that is our, our usual nerdy purview. We are also talking about the John McTiernan movie from 1999, The 13th Warrior with Antonio Banderas and Omar Sharif. As well as that we are looking at the Kirk Douglas, Stanley Kubrick film Paths of Glory. So we've got a wide range of content for you today. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast heading over to iTunes, heading over to Spotify, rating, reviewing, liking, subscribing, all of those good things really help us out. On top of that, you can bop over to Instagram at The Endless Cast, where we put up art and clips to go with each episode. That's a great place to send us a message, disagree with our opinions, agree with our opinions, suggest something for us to watch, just a great place to get in touch. Or you can send us an email at theendlesscast at gmail.com. All of that being said, let's get into the episode. What will we get to by the end of the year? October, November, December, 12 episodes, roughly 137. Okay, so we're not going to hit 200 until the end, 2075, basically. Yeah, if we do one a week, it'd be 75 episodes, basically. So 52 weeks, 52 weeks plus 23 weeks. Just some bonus apps. It's cheating. If we if we add weeks, okay. So we're still a ways off two hundred. I'm very proud of yeah. us. We can celebrate one fifty. We can celebrate one seventy five. You know, we kind of. Uh, it is a rainy September weekend. Yeah, it's grey. It is grey and grim. Grey and wet. Grim. Took a, a big shift from the heat of last week. That was just to get those kids back at school. Like you little fucks, you sweat, you sweat in your horrible uniforms. While we get to sit outside Mm -hmm. in our jobs. Wait, I don't know what I'm trying to get across there. Um, I have had another, uh, I mean, I think probably week two of my uh, post-Edinburgh hermitage. All I'm doing is I'm I'm getting up early. I'm sitting at the desk. I'm drawing. I'm editing podcasts. I'm going to the gym in the evening, trying to eat a little better. Um... That's not entirely working. I had a, a large pizza and a large garlic bread and a half a liter of Coke last night. Um, but, you know, you do rewards. I also... The Coke is the killer. Yeah, I know. Um, I get it, though. I also went to the gym and I lifted uh, 152 kilos. That's not bad, right? Deadlifting. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Getting there. You're deadlifting half your body weight. That's pretty good. I know. It's a 300 kilo man. It's hard to get things moving. You're a 300 kilo man. You're very dense. You don't look it. You wear it well. Very dense. Strong bones. Strong bones. Strong bones. Elephantine bone syndrome. They're not strong though, are they? They're brittle. (laughs) Hard and brittle. Very dense. What's that thing that's really dense but breaks really easily? Uh, Pig iron. Obsidian. Slate. (laughs) That's you, that is. That's me, that is. Um, uh, built like Momoa, moves like Sasquatch. Never forget. 
it was just very true at, at the time. that moment yeah yeah no i get it covered yeah. in hair um is that as good a segue as anything we finally got a trailer for aquaman 2 i got a trailer for aquaman 2 that is a that is a beautiful segue that i i watched it again this morning that movie did a lot of reshoots right it had the whole amber heard chaos in the middle of it they weren't sure if they were presumably. using presumably who knows I, I was watching it going they leaned into a Thor love and thunder vibe it got goofy. I mean the first film was pretty bonkers it was pretty goofy I got I got I don't goofy. remember the first one being sold as goofy as this was do you know what I mean like coming out and finding the like Aquaman armor on the washing line um I I haven't even watched the trailer. Oh, okay. I have I have zero interest. I think I'm superheroed out. I can I, just don't I care. can I can feel that. Um and that that goes for all of them, not just not just DC stuff. I'm just like Yeah. It's surprising that they've done nothing to hook us back in. I'm talking about the MCU here. Yeah. They ended this massive story and they, you know, needed a lot of content for their platform. And nowhere does it seem like they were kind of weaving this thread that was promising to pull them together. Because, I mean, all they had, all they had before was Thanos and they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. We just knew that was coming. It was building to that. I mean, the Tesseract, and what else the ether neither of them were infinity stones they decided that after the fact in the mind stone you know yeah they were just they were just MacGuffins they put in there and then they had the neat idea that what if these were the infinity stones and we could you know so like it was never massively planned beyond we're going to do an infinity if this if this keeps working if this train keeps going We'll do an Infinity Gauntlet mm. team up storyline and it'll be big. But at least we had that kind of. We were kind of watching. So even when we're watching a mediocre film, we're like. We're on route. It's, it's going to give us something. Yeah. It, other it, than a stunt cast at this. the end. Whereas, yeah, but everything that we've had since then, even if it was good, wasn't really building towards something. We know they're building towards the Thunderbolts, but we've no idea what that is. Mm. Um, that's been about it. That's all they've been building towards. So, yeah, they, I'm just like, okay. They've been building towards Whatever. Thunderbolts. I, I don't... They haven't even been building towards an X-Men. You know? no. They threw a line in Miss Marvel because they were like, we better give them something. Yeah. Um, and they gave us and it was a throwaway it was the definition of a throwaway throwaway line you know hmm. um, I just don't care okay I don't mean it in a downer way I'm just like it just it's just doing absolutely nothing for my anticipation my anticipation thank you uh, Frank and Furter. um well, I watched the Aquaman trailer, and I, I, I just wish it had been lost in the Warner Brothers server. 
um that was a good rumor for all the the day it lasted there's there's a moment where so it's black mantis clearly the villain um that actor was great in the first great. one he was great in the first one he's great in Watchmen. Yeah. um he's just unfortunately he, he was in he was great in Candyman. he has just unfortunately tied his uh wagon to the wrong see horse. we say unfortunately but but Mm-hmm. The first one was a big success, yeah. and two, he's going to be in Wonderland. That's uh, that's been mm-hmm. postponed due to WGA. Oh no, but he's going to be in it. Okay, Once if it, if it goes, I'd I'd love them to cancel it. I'd love them to <laughs> pair some shit back. Oh, you want them to cancel it? I just want them okay. to cancel eighty percent of it. But like the so this trailer again is showing Black Manta. At least he he like he was an interesting character. Yaya Abdul Mateen. The third. Third? Did I make that part up? I don't know. It's, it, it, it adds uh, lineage. Um, so it looks like he's got a magic black trident. And there's a moment in the trailer where they're just like, King Atlan held the seven kingdoms. But like it felt like all of a sudden there's seven magical tridents. And one king to lead them all came up on screen. And I was like, that's very Lord of the Rings all of a sudden. And... Uh, it just could it be that they don't know what they're doing? Could be that they don't know what they're doing. Um, they don't know what they're doing. This this hmm. is. But I I don't I don't even know I don't even know I'll see it. It's a lot of noise. I'll see it on streaming or something. But like it's a lot of noise and visual effects nonsense, um, and. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how they fucked up so badly. But we've been talking about this for a long fucking time. Is this the last of the Snyderverse DC nonsense? We can only dream. And are we old cantankerous bastards and there's a whole bunch of children? Oh, the kids love them. The kids love him. I remember when I went to see Aquaman. Was that 2017? 18, I think. 2018. Um, I went to see it and I was laughing at like how goofy it yeah. was. You were quite positive about it. I was positive in that it was... You are like, it's going to make a fortune. Yeah, and it was, it was bonkers. Yeah. It was just like through everything at the wall yeah. just to see what was there. Judy Dench Kraken? The giant monster at the end oh, yeah. was voiced by Judy that, Dench. Yeah. <laughs> Did you forget about that? <laughs> I had. <laughs> um, anyway, the, in the opening scene where he just like bursts onto the the submarine mm. and it's very cheesy and stuff, but there were there were twelve year old kids sitting a couple rows ahead of me and they were like, I, they audibly were like, <gasps> "Wow!" And I was like, "Okay, good for them." Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't think there's going to be a bunch of kids loving Snyderverse. There'll be some edgy dipshit kids mm. who like it. Um, they'll be a minority. But I'm sure the kids will like this. Those same kids yeah, that liked yeah, it yeah. five years ago might not. They might be a bit old for I, it. But I, the kids of the same age might be like, wow, Jason Momoa. I can't, cool. I can't stop watching. Like watching that trailer everybody that's on screen like Nicole Kidman's there for a minute I can't remember even if I saw Amber Heard 
I can't remember if I even saw Amber Heard, but but anytime they're in the water and the hair is floating next to them horizontally, I just think like they, they were wearing ball caps or wig nets or something so that they could draw in the hair. Like somebody's job is to draw in like floaty hair and it just looks fucking crap. Um, and it, like it doesn't even look that bad, you know. They've got a big fortune against it. But I just for some reason that just distracted me. It's just like somebody's job was to make the hair all floaty. What a silly mm. movie! And everything's moving in underwater as if they're not underwater. It's got a very like SpongeBobby kind of <laughs> like there's underwater trains and shit floating around the place, and <laughs> they're riding around on underwater motorcycles. And because James Wan loves a motorcycle chase. It's a bit far-fetched, it's isn't it? Nuts now, isn't it? It's a bit nuts. It's a bit far-fetched. God, it's very far-fetched, God, it's isn't it? Far-fetched. <laughs> that just cracked me up. I don't know if you had that. Your folks watching something that's just like clearly fantasy, mm. you know, Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah. It's a bit far-fetched. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a little. It's a little bit yeah. far-fetched. Yeah. And like somebody would say, uh, an older relative would go, "Ah, it's a good yarn." completely dismissed like it's good yarn means <laughs> what a load of box <laughs> I had that with my like I had a little like I think I've said this to you before my mother doesn't like sci-fi fantasy um, any anything that gets like she likes what she likes you know and that, that's completely fair enough she likes drama or or, or sort of espionage kind of stuff like she'd like um, uh, Enemy of the State appealed to her you know Gene Hackman she loves and like it's you know kind of what would you call that? Thrillers, you know, like a, a good thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and is not into anything sort of sci-fi fantasy, adventure, um, super heroic, you know, once it gets a bit too mad or, or too, like, conceptually, like, learning the rules of the world, I guess, is it. But, like, like looking at a, a spaceship flying around, an X-Wing flying around, she's like, what the fuck is that about? You know, and it's like, okay, but... <laughs> The next movie we put on, we see a 747 land. And I just thought to myself, you understand how that works about as well as you understand how an X-Wing flies through space. But you are able to... Yeah. <laughs> you're able to go with one over the other. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my point is there. I just did think that was a funny sort of like... There is stuff in our in our own world that... Yeah. You have no concept of its functionality. And neither Explain do Explain how the microwave works. Explain how the television we're watching right now works. Yeah. And then tell me why a holographic phone call is any more far-fetched. You know? Meanwhile, I can show you fucking weird edge case tech demos that are kind of doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, even, even televisions. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand the components and the things that work, but I'm still like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. You turned three-dimensional thing into numbers, yeah. I and then represent those numbers on a piece of magic glass, I'll, and I'll go you something simple. Then looks like the thing that is in front of me. What? I'll go something similar or simpler, even I think, in terms of really understanding the mechanics of the things that we use in our world and how they function. Like, it's like, oh, it's amazing. The world works almost as if perfectly for our bodies or we're finding solutions with, it. you know, that sort of like, like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know how to describe this sense that like it's like it was built for us, except that we're we're not. We're just exploiting. Let me explain the phenomenon before I talk about it. Uh, weightlifting straps, just wrist strap, diagonal across the thumb, wraps around the bar. If I go one way, it's a strap wrapped around the bar. If I go the other direction with it, it locks in beautifully tight. And as I move my wrist forward, it tightens and supports my grip perfectly. And there's something about the engineering or the physics at play that means if I draw that strap one direction, it it locks on. If I draw it the other direction, it just gets super tight and works perfectly. It's such a simple piece of thing that that helps do a job. I can't explain to you why that works. You know, like it, it's probably explained easily by engineers and, and friction and torsion and whatever the fuck else. But like, Physics. <laughs> but like, it's, you know, that sort of argument people make it go like, of course, it's a God, a banana fits perfectly. Our hand is built for, you know, like the, the these ideas that like, oh, an eye is so perfect. It just has to have been magically created. Like, understanding why the world works for us the way it does. Like, I remember reading Bryson's book, um, I think A Brief History of Nearly Everything, and he talks about the fact that, like, you know, in most cases, oxygen is pretty destructive to a lot of things. Like, it causes rust, it causes this, it causes that, but for Mm -hmm. us, for some fucking reason, the way we evolved, it works perfectly. So it's easy to think that it was built for us, or, like, it's just a weird convolution of things like he goes into a point at one place where like everything else that gets frozen contracts but for some reason water expands and that serves our purposes in the world perfectly except that we've evolved within these conditions i don't know what point i'm going off on but um i think it's there's a wealth of things we don't understand and just when something looks slightly different isn't a reason to reject it just fucking shut up and watch the movie yes 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 Love it. You you got it. You know you know what I'm driving at. You can translate whatever scattershot <laughs> thoughts I'm going through at twenty to eleven. Um, I went to a gig last night. Well, oh yeah, what gig did you go to? I went to Zaska. Zaska. Z a s k a. That's correct. Um, How were they? Guy, I don't. I I don't know much about him. I saw him at the jazz festival. So last year or two years ago, I can't remember. He's a composer, kind of primarily working in jazz, funk, soul. Um, plays guitar. He's a fantastic guitar player. And the gig last night was a sort of... It was off the back of a grant from, I think, the IMC in Triscoll. It's this right record perform grant i think basically it was a it was a it was a recording of a album but live so they had some new songs that um they were playing for the album but they were going to do a live recording so it's in the trisco which is this old converted church and he had been in paris at the irish cultural center or something doing a kind of a residency there and he had a load of Irish artists come over and they wrote songs over there. And then they came to the Triska last night to perform those songs live. So it was him and a few kind of collaborators. 
So the band is him, keyboard player, piano player, um, trombone, trumpet, saxophone, drummer and bass player. And then he had himself on guitar. And then he had four vocalists. One of them was kind of a rapper and three female vocalists. And they were all great. They came out on stage and kind of did little, like little guest spots. And it was really cool. It was very good. It was a good night. It was, um, it was a good night. Yep. Um, I think it would have been kind of better if, if it was the type of venue where we could get up out of our seats and kind of get closer because that's the vibe they were kind of going for. Right. Um, it's in a converted church, so the audience was a little muted. Okay. I'm just going to Google the like, Triscoll. Have I been there with you? Between, um, possibly. Mm, I don't think so. Looking at it now. No, I have not. No? Okay. Um, it's, re- it's a great venue, but for, I guess, you know, you're sitting in a pew. Yeah. And they're going for a different type of energy. Now, it wasn't bad, but it was just, I think it would have been better if we could have been up out of our seats yeah. and kind of dancing and stuff. A little more lively. But it was good. Yeah. I had that with um, San Fermin is a band I like. I'm not a huge music guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, I gather stray songs and have a playlist and don't know much about the artists or whatever. But for some reason, this band uh, got into my head a while back and now it's like the it's like the one band I've chosen that that's like I'm gonna follow these people yeah go to yeah. Yeah. yeah so if they play I'll go see them and if they release something I'll listen to it and I'm happy to see them whatever but they played the Sugar Club and it was a nice like I was kind of like oh cool seats and then they got on stage and they're like no nah, we haven't played a seated venue in three years everybody get your asses up and come up the fucking front and I was like fair enough that's a good way to handle it too fair enough um, I don't think they were allowed to do that in the Triscoll because no. it was a an old converted church otherwise I think they would have but it was uh, Max Zaska on stage and then there was a rapper Jar Jar Jr I think and then three um, singers it was Melina Malone Gemma Dunleavy and Shiv I think Shiv good name Shiv S-H-I-V they were all like man their voices were unreal and they were all kind of, you know, in the kind of R&B, funk, soul type vocal, but they were all, they all had a different, they all had a very different vibe and presence vocally. And does they it were, just it sound kind of cool to, great in a real like converted church or does it get like... Oh no, it was, it was fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And when they were, when they were showing off and belting it out, it was just like, fuck, it's impressive. Um, so yeah, they had a little... You know, in the church pews, they had a little kind of pamphlet, like you would at church. Right. And it was just with some info on who was on stage and what they were doing. And then there was a QR code so you could pre-order the the album that was being recorded, which I will do because I was in that crowd. So that's kind of cool, cool that I was in the audience for, for that album. There is uh, this gig tonight I'm not going to, um, comedy gig. Um, and I kind of wish I was. Auntie Donna are playing in Dublin. Do you know them? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Is it sold out? I think so. Yeah. Are you? Um, okay. I'm going to dinner with the, the comedy group, um, but one of the guys can't make it because he's going to Auntie Donna. And it's like, oh, shit. I love <laughs> Auntie Donna. <laughs> um, they're very silly. Very silly, absurd individuals. Um, very silly. 
I haven't watched much of their stuff. No. I'm familiar with that. I couldn't quite latch it. I was so used to watching their content as YouTube clips that the Netflix show was kind of overwhelming to like have to sit down and watch a 20 minute mm-hmm. bombardment rather than like four minutes of. That's one of the things I think is good about I think you should leave. I was going to say. Is that it's 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 bonkers. It's wild, but it's. It it ends abruptly. It's fifteen minutes before it gets. Those episodes are fifteen minutes. Yeah, it just see, it just seems to know where tolerance where the cutoff is. Yeah, <laughs> Bill, <laughs> like, this is too much. Bill Bailey has Shut a joke down. years ago where he just sort of like plays some like avant garde experimental music and he just like kind of mashes the keyboard a bit and that goes that piece is called exercise in audience tolerance. Yeah, and I think that's something that show does extremely mm. well. Yeah, because it, it's. That show gets better with a rewatch, because it really because I spend the first I spend the first watch every time just going, there is this, um, yeah. Um, I I always laugh at it the first time, but I've always gone back watching it thinking that this won't be as funny the second or third time, and it it just always is. There's just something, about it. and it's I don't know how it does it. There's just something about it's the 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 sketches. They pop up in memes as well, so much as well. So much. Um, somebody took the 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 uh, the driving crooner and just oh, yeah. and just <laughs> just overlaid him over like a whole bunch of just random stuff, and it's like ADHD after spending five hundred dollars on new hobby. And he's like, I gotta find a way to make some money. I out gotta of this. find a way to make money. Just do this. good. I really want to. <laughs> I was I'd rewatched it and right before the the what thing had picked up as a meme I was telling somebody about it because it, it I had just watched it and then it kind of came up and just you know the what are you talking about just that kind of thing and then a week later like, and the, that that season had already been out yeah. like I think is that the first season or the second oh, I can barely remember it, 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 it had already been out basically and I had watched it again and it was just kind of in my head and I was uh, explaining the sketch to, to somebody I was laughing as I was explaining it and it hadn't yet become a meme and then like a week later it had just it was everywhere people were just you know, you know. Uh, my husband when uh, you know it's the day of plans I told him about six months ago and he's like what are you talking about <laughs> it's the one where he um He's on a date and she keeps taking like the the nachos with like the most meat and cheese on it and he asks the waiter to tell her we've a policy where you've gotta you've gotta share this stuff and the waiter comes over and then she figures out she's like, Did you tell him to do that? And he's just like, What? And then every every single question he has, his voice just gets higher and higher. Just, cracks me up. Eventually at the end he's like, What? <laughs> Will we talk about then, um, were you able to have a look at the movie we mentioned last week? So, so here's a question. Mm. How would your mom feel about Predator? Still not grounded enough. I think... How would she feel about a bunch of... Vikings fighting a bunch of cannibals. I think that that could be watchable. Where would she settle I on that? I think that would be watchable. Oh, okay. 
whether or not. Well, have I got the film for her? How did Predator rank? Hmm? How did Predator come into play there? Same director. Did Joe McTiernan direct Predator? He did. He did. Wow. Wow. Um, John McTiernan, apologies before I let that one fucking go. Um, did you did you get a chance to look at this again? I did. You did. I love it. Um, this was. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Well, sorry. I was saying I love that you got a chance to look at it. Um, oh, Rose. Okay. <laughs> I genuinely love this movie. I found it on television. I think if I'd gone to see it in the cinema, I might have been underwhelmed. But I found it on television and was just like, "What the? It's very fuck TV. is this?" And I'm kind of diving into it, but just an observation I had watching it. It's like there's a real lack of. Gonna be careful now because I don't want to insult Omar Sharif. There's a lack of star power throughout it. There's not enough Omar Sharif, you might say. But there's there's Omar Sharif, there's Antonio Banderas, and no one else. They're all very... They're all very Scandinavian. TV. Are they Scandinavian? Yeah. A bunch of English actors in it, isn't there? Uh, Vincent van Gogh's in it. That's true. Um, Misha Hauserman, uh, Asbon Riss, Dennis Storhai. It could really do... Anderson T. It could Anderson. really do with a Mads Mikkelsen. It could do could with a Mads Mikkelsen, yeah. I think the guy playing Bovine is great looking. You don't mm. like him? I mm. thought he was like... Okay, I think, brief overview for the listener, this movie is about a Arab ambassador sent out into the wider world, played by Antonio Banderas. You can't call him that. Arab? Um, <laughs> Arabian. They call him I'm Arab joking. throughout. I know I'm joking. <laughs> The um, so what he he has uh, he has uh, stepped on the wrong toes, slept with the wrong woman in Baghdad, and the ruler sends him out into the world as a, an ambassador. But really, it's exile, and he's out just traveling around with Omar Sharif, and uh, he encounters a bunch of Vikings, and the Vikings get called to help in a, a more northern town, and the the uh, the wise woman dictates the 13 warriors must go and fight this battle and the the bones declare that the 13th warrior must be no north man and so Antonio Banderas is uh, roped in to uh, this adventure and that all happens very quickly um, it gets going I, I find the, the pacing very um, mm-hmm. very good there are a couple of edits that are pretty abrupt um, but I do know that this thing had a little bit of a troubled production and sat in a shelf for a year. McTiernan got fired. Did he get fired uh, before it ended? He got fired. Yeah. Did he? He got fired and then Crichton came in and did the reshoots. Oh, okay. It's based on a book written by Michael Crichton. Yeah. I should say that. Of Jurassic Park fame and Westworld? Westworld, Eeyore, Congo. Congo, Wow. I see. I look at this and I like. Now, maybe it's just I am familiar with it, but I like Antonio Banderas as the way into this world of people that like I don't recognize them, and like I like how 
weathered and unfamiliar bovine looks, you know? Like, he's just, like, he is as unfamiliar to me as he is to Antonio Banderas, but he's a big, beefy man who is in charge of the fucking place, you know? And it's like, okay, let's see what's going on. Um, I don't want to look at his face for 100 minutes. Okay. Well, that's why we have Antonio. Me. <laughs> me? So they're they're called to this northern town. It's basically Beowulf, isn't it? It's it's ha- it's half it's half Beowulf retelling, half um adaptation of an account of a real person who did travel with Vikings for a bit. So Crichton said I'm going to take that account and mash it up with Beowulf. And he did. And that's what we got. And I, I, I love it. I love it. The the crazy <laughs> adventure of it. Um, it's it does kind of have a. It does have a very throwbacky vibe to it. I like the limited CGI. Like how much of it's practical. There's one key shot that's CGI, or at least one extremely noticeable CGI shot, and that is the um on the waves on the waves. Yeah, they pull out the pull out. Yeah. yeah. And they they open with that, and then they use it again later. Um, it gets so a little again. reuse. This film went over budget. That's why McTiernan was fired. Oh, all right. Yeah. McTiernan had some legal difficulties, didn't he? He did. He, he did. perjured himself? He, he hired... Yeah. He hired a private investigator to wiretap Charles Roven and someone else and then he lied to an fbi investigator yeah when questions about it's the perjury that got him i think yeah i think so yeah that was the main thing but he went to jail he went to jail for a year or two years i think yeah and he went bankrupt or he declared bankruptcy which you know is different when a rich person does it yeah it's not the same thing it's just basically means i'm not paying anybody anything Fuck off. <laughs> but I'll be back again later with more money and you can't get it. Pay no attention to the money in my wife's bank account. John McTiernan is one of those names that I associate with filmmaking for so fucking long. And I like look forward to John McTiernan movies and things. But I also think if I were to Google him, he's how old do you reckon? How old? Yeah. Is he retired well, or is he still in making the 70s now, I'd say. Um, he hasn't made anything in a while. 72. Because uh, there was somebody recently as well that I was like, um, so the long way back with Ed Harris and Colin Farrell, the way, way back, Peter Weir. Yeah. So it's another person who is just like, I associate with films that I'm like, I like, and I like the scale of, and I like the, 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 the prestige of them. I associate with that guy. And it's like, I'd lost track of the fact that like, he hasn't made a film since 2010 and he's just like either retired or died at this point. Um, Retired. Yeah, he's he's seventy nine. You know, uh, Peter Weir. Yeah. Okay. So he won't be doing Master and Commander Part Two. <sighs> I wish he would. But I fucking wish he I would. I fucking wish he would. Um. I I love the um. It's simple storytelling stuff in the in the Thirteenth Warrior that I enjoy, like Antonio Banderas and Omar Sharif visiting the camp and being sort of alienated by the language and having to communicate through. Like they tried Latin, they tried Greek, they tried a couple of different languages before they found one that they could talk to somebody with. Um, 
seeing the little cultural things, just being slightly removed from them, you know? Like, I thought that was a really nice way to sort of get us into the world and set up things that we would see later, like the, the burial of the king at the start, um, the the low there, do I see my father, low there, do I see my mother and my brothers and sisters, like that, that such a nice way to get us into the world. Um, there is something small about seeing the the Viking boat coming up that river. Uh, it's not shot incredibly uh, impressively, but it's also like, yeah, I think if I was standing on the banks of a river, that's likely what I would see coming, right? And it would probably be, if I knew anything about Vikings, probably be a good sign to run the fuck away. I don't disagree. Yeah. It's just... It, it, there's, there's a big shift from 90s movies into 2000s, 2010s, mm. and this is very much... A 90s movie? A 90s movie. It came out in 1999, but it could have come out in 94. You know? It was... There's an element of that to it. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad film. It's just... But I kind of like... I kind of like that. I like that, like... <clears throat> like, there's action that you see in movies. I'd probably from... rather watch Prince of Thieves. <laughs> I don't think I, I would. I like how weird this movie is. I like how disconnected I am from... From... The, the different cultures. I like getting a glimpse into them rather than having... I like that, like, it's probably fucking wrong in so many historical fucking ways. Like, the fact that the the 13 warriors are all, like, some costume designer went off, you know? Like, the... the Like, Bullvine is very wearing, like, medieval plate armor. Somebody's wearing chain mail, um, like... The, the red-headed dude is wearing a kilt. Like, they're, they're a great little, like, mix of, like, like anything... They needed to pop separately on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. There's 13 of them, and they, they need to pop. And they start killing them off very quickly. <laughs> they do. You know, they aren't, um, they aren't precious about any of them. Um, it isn't a bad film. It just doesn't... It just doesn't really. I, I mean, I, I'll start listing the things that I love about it then, because like I genuinely, I do love it. I'd, I'd probably sooner watch Beowulf again oh, because it's weirder. Ugh. It's awful. I hate it, but it's weirder. It's so horrible. <laughs> it's weirder. It's a horrible fucking yeah, film. I can't watch it. But it's so strange. I, I've watched it in it's... chunks and I can't. It's so horrible. Like there's a Star Trek episode that they do Beowulf in the holodeck. That's fucking better than Beowulf. But you know, you know what though? If that had actually been a film, I think it would have been great. Star Trek Beowulf. It's the no, the Beowulf. Oh yeah, I think absolutely. It's the, if that it's the motion capture and stuff of it, because like the Ray the Winston, Anthony Hopkins, Angelina Jolie. Ray Winston is fucking brilliant. Ah, uh, Beowulf. He's perfect. He's just a fucking. He's a tug. The, he's a tug who's king by virtue of being a tug. And yeah. He has to fight this. The cast of that movie is amazing. Yeah. The fact that it looks like absolute dog shit is painful. The Grendel attack scene is something. I just, I just can't that with scene the moving is... cameras and. <laughs> but like that, that scene. 
things coming towards screen like was it was it the height of 3d on top of that i think it was yeah, yeah. there's that that scene really takes a swing where you know where he appears in the the hall and he just fucking Terrorist devours room. people and it's it's shocking you know I, I i i would call that sequence a success in terms of what it set sure. out to do okay and yeah it it is it's a pity the technology was just sort of emerging at the mm. time i think if they were to do that again today i lord of the rings had just uh, imagine 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 the sort of budget we see in love death and death and robots yeah. and the the art design mm. and the taste that we have in the best episodes there yeah. done shot for shot but just with today's technology i think that would be a fucking that'd be something that'd be a great animated feature and it'd be a, an amazing adaptation but it's not animated then it's like a cg rendered performance captured i get you yeah 100 it, it, it yeah. the fact that it's as hideous as it is and it's like you got to give zemeckis is it zemeckis yeah you got to give zemeckis credit for i think yeah for playing with technology advancing like that's the kind of stuff that's generally you know shorts developmental shorts but like I, I, I don't know. I can't look at that. Like, you're right. But Lord of the Rings had just happened. We had just had examples of sword and sorcery kind of films. And it's like, Beowulf's a fucking fun story. Do it. You know, just mm-hmm. fucking shoot it. Yep. Um, I think when I saw... Um, I think I even remember, like, there was an issue of Wizard that, like, fan cast a Thor movie. And they had the guy that played Bullvine as, as Thor. You know, just because the big Scandinavian <laughs> blonde guy. And even then it was just like, mm, that hair's a little thinning as it rains. You know, like, he's an older dude. But, like, um, I loved the the um, the camp where we first meet them. I think it's a, a lovely sequence with Omar Sharif sort of shepherding him into the world. Mm-hmm. I loved the, the journey and the passage of time displayed as he learns their language around the campfire. I mean, it's, it's a stunt off of um, Hunt for Red October. Um, who directed yeah, Hunt for Red October? Which he also directed. Was it McTiernan? That's what yeah. I was thinking, yeah. you know. Um, it is McTiernan. Yeah. yeah. Um, this, I mean, listen. Got a catalogue of fucking films, doesn't he? Die Hard, Predator, Hunt for Red October. And then Die Hard with a Vengeance, Last Action Hero. You know, they won't be everybody's taste, but they are... I mean, Die Hard, Die Hard alone. Die Hard... Die Hard is... You can watch Die Hard and learn how to make an action film. If you're paying attention. From 1986, this is his cinematography, right? He doesn't have... Cinematography? Filmography. He doesn't have... Many, many, many films. Uh, Nomads, 1986. Have you ever seen that or heard of that? Not sure. With Pierce Brosnan. A French anthropologist specializing in nomadic groups moves to Los Angeles with his wife and starts following a group of sinister street punks who seem to live and move around in a black van. But they aren't what they seem. Uh, That looks fucking weird. I think I found what I'm watching for next week. Pierce, I was just about to say we're not watching. Pierce Brosnan <laughs> plays Jean-Charles Pommier. Adam Ant is in it. 
Uh, I might be watching this movie. I think they're aliens. By yourself. Or vampires. <laughs> this is fucking cool. I think, I think I'm think i watching this movie. Um, Predator is 87. No. 86, 87, 88, 90, 92, 93, 95. He had a run. Um, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Medicine Man. That's a different direction with Sean Connery. Um, that was terrible. Yeah, that was a bit of a flop. Last Action Hero, bit of a flop. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Back to the Hits. Thomas Crown Affair. Last Action Hero was misunderstood. I loved The Last Action Hero. I watched it a bunch. That that brings us back to the idea that children will watch something and love it for what it is. Whereas No, I I, I think people didn't get that. That film is uh, it's a parody of the action movie. But and people people didn't get it. But is that a case of it was mismarketed at the time? Because by the time I saw it, and that's no, that's I, I think nineties film critique was a different beast then as well. 93. You know, I had it to have become seen that jaded in 95 with, or something. I loved it. It was jaded with action stars. And they didn't want to give it its due, I think. If that came out today, it'd be praised for being, embracing what it is, being as silly as it is, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a good film. You don't have to don't have to tell me. I loved it. Like I love the the guy exploding in the La Brea tar pits. I love the animated cop. I like this little like changing glass eye every time. The fact that like Charles Dance. Charles Dance. The fact that the 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 Reaper from the Seventh Seal comes out. Or it's it's like it's a it's yeah. not the Seventh Seal, but it's like Seventh Seal like. To be or not to be. Not to be. It was playing with all of the hype that it built up around action stars as well. Like that—that's such a good McBain joke. Yeah, you know, McBain does Hamlet, and then they do it in this, and nobody, nobody fucking appreciates it. You know, yeah. and they—they they were riffing off like that's like like was ninety four Demolition Man, where they talk about President yeah. Schwarzenegger, and like this this yeah. is the one where they had Stallone on the bike as Terminator. Yeah. Like they were they were playing with each other, you know. Um, it calls out all the kind of movie tropes, you know the the fake phone numbers, yeah. and you know just yeah. five 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 five. Like I was that yeah. kid. I was that little kid. Loved action mm-hmm. movies, you know. Like it was. What was the what was the rating on that film? Probably, I don't think the twelves rating existed yet. It was probably just PG. PG. You don't think fifteens? Yeah. No. PG thirteen. Think so. Was Ian McKellen the Reaper? He was. It's a good film. Good film. F. Murray Abraham, Charles Dance, Art Carney. Art Carney, for fuck's sake. Um, Anthony Quinn. That's how... That's how fucking great an actor Charles Dance is. Like, that was the first time I'd seen him in something. Probably. And I just recognized him in everything else. Ever since. Since. It's that guy. Jim Belushi, Chevy Chase. (laughs) (laughs) And Schwarzenegger followed that up with True Lies the year after, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Was that 93? I think True Lies was 95, maybe. Die Hard with a Vengeance, Thomas Crown Affair, 13th Warrior. I love that Thomas Crown Affair. Thomas Crown Affair is great. Um, Rollerball. Good film. That's... That's a that's a great. That's the biggest stinker, or at least swing and a miss. No, basic, basic is probably his biggest stinker. <laughs> that is the next one on there. Chris yeah. Klein. 
Okay, what happened? I don't want to. Do, I don't want to analyze Rollerball, but I was going to go. What the fuck happened? It's not. I'm looking at the trailer, and all of a sudden, it looks like a Fast and Furious movie, and I'm like, Did Fast and Furious come out? That was '99, I think. Yeah, '99 or 2000. No, it was probably 2000. Rollerball 2002, 2002. maybe. <laughs> I think Fast and Furious because there's just like a chase sequence of them rolling down hills and shit in the trailer. There, I think I was in school when Fast and Furious came out. Yeah, I was probably 16. So. I think Fast and Furious got in people's heads. And so what's Basic? I haven't seen Basic. You probably have. I haven't. It's I terrible. I haven't. Okay. Um, I just, okay. I didn't, it's I awful. had a like Travolta block at one point because people kept telling me I looked like Travolta. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to see any more Travolta films. Um, you do be looking like him though. I, I did even be right looking now. like him. I don't, I don't be <laughs> No, anymore. even right now. What? Very Saturday Night Live right now. Or Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> Shut up. Um, That's true. The man's a movie star. I, yeah, I, I, I can't... Um, it's a compliment. The, the, the last things on his IMDb are Last Action Hero deleted in alternate scenes 2021. Did they, just, did they do a Criterion or a Blu-ray release and put some stuff up? Added some stuff. That's very weird. Um. Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, so I love that language thing. Learning the language. It's a great scene. Lets everybody stop speaking um, faux Scandinavian and get into uh, no more subtitles. No more subtitles. Were there? There weren't even subtitles. We were just gathering it from context. Oh, I watched it with subtitles, so I just assumed. Oh, okay. You turn the subtitles on. Yeah, yeah. I never do that. Yeah. Yeah, I watch I watch everything with subtitles. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. That's a phenomenon. Um there's people looking at why people do that now. Um uh, it's because the sound mix is so bad and I've got an auditory processing disorder. It's no phenomenon. Sound mix is terrible for TVs if you don't have surround sound. Well, um, I never do it. It's distracting. And I have an auditory processing. That's a hundred percent fair. I'm not judging you. Um, I can't stand seeing the line. Yeah, you happen. were. I can't stand seeing the line happen before it's said. It drives me nuts. I just want to. I was watching Michelle Wolf and I was reading all her punchlines before she got to them. It does take away a bit yeah, from from stand up comedy stand-up. anyway. Yeah. Um, For sure. I noticed that. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never watched so the all of the Viking dialogue is there in English. Oh, I don't know. I just, I just, I just assumed because I was watching subtitles. I assumed some of it was subtitled. You see? Okay. Yeah, but no. Sorry. The trick being that in Hunt for the Red October, that's the point, and they did it in Dead Reckoning as well. I think possibly did they? I don't know. Dead Reckoning. Start, Do I know Dead Reckoning? Mission Impossible. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, they did. Did they do it at the start of that as well? I can't remember. Yeah. The cinema so I saw the, Dead Reckoning the... in was a fucking disaster. I, I was distracted for the first 15 minutes trying to get them to turn the lights off. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get them to turn the lights off and trying to get the woman beside me to stop looking at her phone every 10 minutes because she didn't want to be there. She just kept opening the phone and going to Instagram and checking her messages and checking Twitter. It was a little loop. I saw her do it over and over and over again. Nothing had changed. She got no new messages. Mm-hmm. She would look at her stories and she would check who was looking at her stories. She's just addicted to her phone. Yes, and also doesn't want to see a Mission Impossible movie. Don't come. 
anyway um I think it's more a problem that she's addicted to her phone. If she could keep it out of her hand for 20 minutes, just out of boredom, she would start watching the phone. Mm. That's the thing. But she's just more interested in her phone. That's the, the issue. Mm. There's a there's a screen 30 times bigger than you are with lights and sound shooting shooting images at you. You couldn't help but get drawn in if you just gave yourself a little bit of time. 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I missed the whole like I was I was out of the theater trying to talk to a manager to get them to turn the lights off. Then I watched somebody else go and do it. Then I went and did it a third time. Um, I was also like whatever little screen I was in in the Savoy. The I think I said this to you before. The screen had an angle of it on it, so like the screen was like angled that way, and the seats like you want you want straight onto the screen, but the screen was at like a thirty degree angle. And the chairs were at like an opposite thirty degree angle. I was like, "Why? You have you have squeezed a theater into this space, and it doesn't fucking work. Why have you done? And I know I should have just booked a better theater or something, but I was um, frustrated. So I missed whatever lang- linguistic game they played at the start in that submarine. I, I think they do it. I can't remember. But what I'm referring to is when you know they're speaking another language, and we're looking at subtitles. And then they just sort of seamlessly start speaking in English. And the idea being that they haven't started speaking English. We're just yeah. understanding yeah. what they're saying in their language. And when they nail that, when they nail the, the, when they nail showing us that transition, it's so seamless. We just, we understand as an audience what's happened. That's beautiful. It's, it's lovely mm-hmm. when that works. And they um they did it very well in um 13th warrior i think uh the second piece of terrible cgi happens just after that when they're getting ready to go head off the next morning and antonio gets on his horse and his horse jumps another horse yeah that's that's the second piece of also the (laughs) the stunt man it's like there's one shot where it's clearly antonio it's in slow motion it's got a really kind of Long lens, mm. so it's all kind of compressed. It probably makes him look like he's going much faster and everything than he mm. is. But before that, the shots, the stuntman is just like, where's Antonio? Who's on that horse? That's not him. Um, yes. Shameless. Shameless. Do, you, do what you got to do. Yeah. You get away with it. Um. He's wearing a headdress. Like They, they could have concealed a bit more. Right. They could have shot him from a bit further away, but instead... The stuntman is riding towards the screen and we can see his full face. <laughs> it's just like, come on. Come on. Mm. I've never noticed that. I, I okay. gotta go back and watch it. <laughs> I noticed it. I've never noticed that. He, get, he gets on the horse, he takes off and then he's riding towards the camera, kind of at an angle, but we can see. Right. We're kind of looking at him from like his right side. Very definitely not and Antonio. It's just it clearly not Antonio. And then there's the shot where he's coming directly towards camera and it's it's him. But before that there's two or three shots where it's it's very, very, very clear it's the stone. Okay. And then there's that bad CGI shot where he jumps over the yeah. horse. And that is that is very It's not even bad, it's just it's just uh It was unnecessary. It was and unnecessary. It's, it's a fun idea, it, yeah. I guess. It's a little um it's just got a, a lot of like motion blur of the day on it. You can yeah. see uh, yeah. it as a separate object just like the ho- they obviously jumped the horse over something but they've masked out everything that the horse was jumping and then they've yeah. moved the whole jump 
higher as well. So yeah. it's just, um, I'm sure there are many. Wow, it got really blurry around the edges there when that guy oh, fell really off. Really blurry, horse. didn't it? What was that about? Um, yeah, I liked the world, like the town they built to come to. Uh, I love them walking in and as a group, like evaluating. You know, there's no, you know, fighting men available to us to help. You know, there's no fortifications. I liked seeing a team or a group process something and start planning out what was going to happen. I liked them coming to meet the king. That king is very recognizable, but he, he I, I think he's got a recognizable face, but he, he actually is not in much in a, in a American or a European context. Like he's in, a, sorry, a lot of Swedish things, I think, but um, not, uh, anyway, good face on him. I think he played a good older king, um, and we know that was Anthony Hopkins in the Beowulf movie. Um, I loved the the sense of time that we get off of it, where the old man is like, I knew him as a boy, but now here he is grown to man. Like, the idea that, like, people in this world know each other, and, and there's these massive passages of time, and you get that, like, very classical old story kind of thing like if you I remember from doing classical studies in school you know anytime anyone arrived at anyone else's house there was like an exchange of stories and gifts and like the sheer nature of the distances involved in traveling is like you knew this person and they were a great friend but it's like I'm not seeing you for another eight ten years you know like so when they do arrive it's a whole event and there's a lot of gifting and like I, I liked seeing a version of that um I loved the little like they get a little bit of court intrigue going on as well like the sun um, doesn't like these people coming in and being potentially um, just another group of people he has to uh, to deal with. Um, he's trying to climb his own ranks to king. Like even when we meet Bullvine, it's uh, at a king's funeral and he's the heir apparent and there's a, a little contestation. Contestation? Um, contestation. <laughs> uh, Is that what you'd call there's it? A, there's a disagreement. Um, there's a little who's going to be the boss. It's just a little mild. It's a little uh, a workplace between workplace disagreement. Um, but like very mild, very gentle. Like that's some Game of Thrones shit happening. But we're just getting a glimpse of the end of it, you know. I liked the duel. I can't tell you anybody's names. <laughs> um, that might be a problem. It's a little bit of a problem. What was the name of the guy that was always talking to Antonio? He was our translator. Herger? They like they they're literally given names to do with their work. You know, there's there's fat rider, archer, superstitious, joyous leader. Um musician. I think he's uh, Herger, Herger, Dennis Storai. He's the guy who's serving as the translator the entire time. Um, keeps calling him little brother. Uh, he has a great, like that duel sequence is very fun. No? Just sure. not giving it much thought. <laughs> <laughs> I I just think it, it's, it's fine. It just... It just doesn't feel. It just doesn't feel kind of ex- 
exciting. It doesn't pull me in. It just kind of okay. happens. Okay. And I, I'm going to tell you that I've just realized that enough for the for like how kind of simply plotted it is. Right. You know? It's just kind of kind of is. What but I'm, I don't hate it. What I'm realizing is that it is. It might be the third of my go-to films that I just will put on and watch. And I've been kind of looking for that third. Right. Like, Hunt for Red October and Master and Commander. This might be the third one. Because I was just like, what? So, two McTiernan films in there. Yeah. That's, that's high praise. I'd like, there's, I have those two films, and I've always been like, those are two boat films. Is there a third boat film that, <laughs> that might be the thing? I need a boat film. Is there a third boat film that might be the... Um, round out a trilogy of movies that I enjoy here and I think I just realized that 13th Warrior is that one like it's if it's on I'm happy I just it, I, I like Antonio Banderas grinding that sword down to a, a Saracen shape I like him I like when he finally realizes that they're not monsters but they're humans and then he just goes off on a fucking killing spree like in a in a like not like some fucking martial arts lunatic fucking thing, but he's just like, suddenly he gets into the battle. And again, that moment where the guy who's talking to him and calls him little brother turns around and goes, it's okay, little brother. There are more. It's like, we can kill more of these people, like these monsters attacking us. Um, I just, I I really do like, I, I the place where I've always had trouble with it is the cave sequence because I find it very dark. But I've I've watched... This might be the first time I've watched it on like a big, like a fifty-five inch screen, and right. like I think less of a problem. I think that's the problem. I've been watching them on like thirty-two or CRT screens. Like if I'd seen it in the cinema, maybe it works fine. <laughs> um, it's the first time I really kind of appreciated the shot construction of. Um, I'm basically just lecturing you about a film I love now, um, but that that not at all that moment where they decide they want to swing a rope onto another ledge and then climb a rope down into the water so that they're not seen by the the Venga, I think they're called, the the tribes people that are hunting them. Grendels. Um you're frozen for me there, so I'm not sure if you're still with me. Um but there's we see that shot a couple of times. We see somebody swing to a ledge and then transition and start to climb down. And then there's one shot we see as Bulvan Bulvan um catches Antonio as he almost falls and he pulls him back up onto the ledge and the camera then follows Bullvine down and we're looking down at him climbing down the rope into the water and we get a reverse shot looking up as he climbs and as we're seeing him come down we also see another one of the Vikings just swing across the gap and it's just I think it's a very I was really impressed by that shot because I just liked how much information we were getting in that one composition of Bullvine coming down the cliff face and the other Viking swinging across there, backlit through the waterfall. I thought it was a beautiful sequence or a beautiful moment. Um, I, was, I was happy to see something new in it that I was like impressed with. Uh, and the final battle scene is class. Like I, It's simple. It kind of... I, I think whatever problems were going on with the production... I think by the time we got to that final battle sequence, they were like, they kind of knew that we were 
likely reaching a fatigue point and couldn't handle another 20 minutes of just hacking and slashing and riding around the village. So it's pretty short. I, I know that that's, there's probably some discussions and notes and emails and editing fucking arguments that went on to this film. But by the time we get to that sequence, I'm happy for it to play out relatively quickly, eliminate the warrior leader of that tribe, and and end. And it does end a little abruptly. I'm not a, a, um, oblivious to that, but like it kind of does what it needs to do and gets out. And I was, I don't know. I just I loved that film. I was so happy to be rewatching it last night. <laughs> so you've got your third. I think I found my third. My unicorn. You got your unicorn. <laughs> Although you makes four, so. So you're just kind of like you, you're you're a thumbs middling on this film, a little bit, a little, um, little towards a forty five degree angle. I would say, I, I would say I would say up still. Oh, yeah, that's good I to hear. Say that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. I, you know me. I get it's, it's the same reason I. It's the same reason I would kind of give Beowulf a thumbs up. Do you know what I mean? In the sense that it set out to do a thing. It's interesting. I'm not saying it's good, but consider watching it in in Beowulf terms, at least. Mm. You know, this is this is kind of yeah. You know me. I don't really prescribe to like a number system. There's a lot of work that goes into these. Um, even when they're bad, they might be worth checking out. There's something good in most things. The one time I would not recommend something is, I guess, if it's a complete waste of your time or if I don't like the message it has. Right. If I think it's a harmful, dangerous message. And even then I might suggest watching it so that you could kind of see. What's an example of that? I can't think off the top of my head. Um, something harmful or, or a waste of time? Bad message. Bad message. I'll tell you mine. The one I think of is Go going, there's, there's very, there's probably lots of films if I were to really think about it, but there's one film that I walked out of and specifically was like, I hate the message of that. And it was Joker. Oh, yeah. I I yeah. thought that just, that leaned into the positivity of the message of, of reach point of despair and start lashing out violently. Yeah. And I, I hated that. I hated that as the message. And it, it was doing that in the marketing, even before it came mm. out. I had so many people who like had no interest in comics or anything like that in my college class, right? Yeah. Just like GA heads, you know, just just like yeah, people with no interest in Batman or Joker or stuff. Yeah, and watching the trailer for that. Now, granted, like they're nineteen or twenty, and they're like, "That looks class, man. That looks so fucking dark. Yeah. Like that's fucking cool." It's like, no, it's not. It's not at all. Yeah, I and like there's there's. There's examples of the idea that, like, uh, cautionary tales of toxic masculinity often get presented as, like, and adopted as, like, male power fantasy. Mm-hmm. The Wolf of Wall Street, mean, um, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, even Fight even Club. Wall Street, Fight Club, um, yeah, and and Joker specifically. Like, I don't understand how people walk away from that. Like, whatever about Wolf of Wall Street? Okay, he's a dickhead, but we see so much. Of the excess the thing, and the partying Scorsese and the does that a lot. Yeah. He's he's glorified that a lot. I don't think he gets enough criticism for it. The reason people love Goodfellas is because it's a power fantasy. The reason people love Scarface is 
perfect. People love Breaking Bad. The majority of people like Breaking Bad think it's the best TV show ever, but not because they watch a lot of TV. It's because of the power of fantasy. And uh, the Irishman, Goodfellas, uh, Casino. Casino. I'm trying to think how it ends for all these people, but like, it doesn't end well for these. Like, the Irishman no. specifically, like, maybe people are missing the point by the time it's three hours long, but... They absolutely are. Like, yeah. that man ends up alone without his family, an old man in a small house falling down. And that is people's lives anyway, you know, like yeah. the, the arc of a human life. Like, the, the the power that he may have had one way or another, like, they still ended up a bunch of pathetic old men in jail or alone, you know? Um, and, I don't know, is it is it Scorsese's fault for not highlighting that aspect of it as much or is it the audience's I wouldn't say it's his fault but what I would say is like it doesn't work out well in he's Scarface. a very he's a very exciting right. kinetic filmmaker mm. and he knows how to make you know a very dangerous lifestyle look very appealing and then I think a lot of the praise he gets is because of the excitement a general audience feels when they watch that stuff. And they don't necessarily... The the point of it is missing on them. And he gets lauded as this great director. But... And he is, you know, but he's also overrated. But... Hmm. I don't think it's in the conversation enough. Yeah. Well, Joker specifically, I was watching that film. And it's, it's as much as anything because I'm a massive Batman fan, but it's such a, an antithesis to Batman that, you know, his... Like, if you think about Batman Begins as being a character that's aiming at being a symbol of hope to pull a society out of a downfall. Uh, yeah. This is a, a, a symbol of the pit to kick... A society into a complete barbaric outrage and I I couldn't believe people walked away from that going this is great like that like I I'm back on this fucking film I can't even remember the name of the director um he I think he got lucky he got he got so lucky with the Todd Phillips Todd Phillips he oh yeah he, completely we've seen this guy make film for 20 years he got lucky with whoever wrote the fucking script with Joaquin Phoenix and, and, and the rest of the cast doing an amazing job with the cinematographer doing an amazing job somehow he fell ass backwards into a team that was better than the film he had in front of him well, and they made I mean, something phenomenal Scorsese was attached for a while right and it was basically king of comedy yeah. okay like it, I they, didn't realise Scorsese they, was they attached be, he was attached in some way for a while I can't remember exactly um, maybe as a producer okay. I'm not sure um but yeah, he was attached to it for a while. But like the film is essentially yeah. King of Comedy. And somebody said, what if Joker, King of Comedy, Taxi Driver, but instead Joker, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he got he yeah. got very lucky that made a film where the constituent parts look amazing. But the message is still fucking shitty. I, I really don't. Yeah. Like somebody asked me and about it, I, 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 could, I could even, I could get behind the message in the sense that uh, if it was a person against 
the wealthy and the corrupt mm. in a city. So the city's in dire straits and the people with the power to do it, whether it's people with money or people in political power, they refuse to do anything. And if it was somebody angry against that, taking action mm. in a sort of a vigilante way, I could get behind that. Mm. But when it's a mentally ill person, and especially when it, like it's based on a similar, like the that subway shooting happened, mm. uh, except it was I think instead of like three Wall Street pros, it was, was it two or three black people I think, and the guy shot them and he got away with it, and like it's based on a real thing. I did not know that. You know, it's for yeah, um, and that was like a very racially kind of charged, yeah incident that happened then and somebody kind of took that and said okay well what if it's these wall street guys instead yeah um but it, it's just muddled it's dangerously muddled Danger- rather than, exactly. be, rather than being an anti-capitalist thing i can get behind it's it's this mental illness is cool and this sort of violence is cool and this sort of dangerous vigilantism is cool yeah. and it's like and and this villain yeah. Is ultimately cool. Like, yeah, that, that even even down to that, that last, doesn't fly with me. Even down to that last shot, where okay, society has failed him. He's commenting on the idea that like mental health services aren't there to support. He has issues with uh, the elite and the rich not um, uh, helping develop a better world or whatever. Like the 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 social economic disparity between people, but when he cracks as a character like I'm trying I'm even trying to remember the scene was it who's the actress who lives on the same floor as him that he had he, he fantasizes is, Zazie is it Daisy Beats he, like he fantasizes yeah. that romance about Zazie. it I'm not sure how you pronounce that yeah like there's a moment where it's like I'm trying to remember the delusion but you see him go into a room and come out of a room and like Yep. He then sees her for the rest, and it's Fight Club. She's not there. She hasn't been there for a long fucking time. So he ki- he yeah. killed her. He, like mm-hmm. we go back in in our heads, and like we're supposed to believe. No, he walked into the room and fucking killed her. Like he killed her. He kills the people he worked with. He fucking kills those people on the train. Like this doesn't start lashing out against the upper crust. He starts lashing out at everyone around yeah. him, and around even him. that final scene where he we sort of supposed to laugh at him getting out of the fucking psychiatrist office in the in the mental institution um he that woman is just interviewing him as a therapist and he walks out of that room with his feet stained of blood leaving these bloody steps around it's like i'm not i'm not easily shocked with violence and stuff i watch fucked up shit but the message of this movie the fact that people walked away wearing that fucking costume and dancing up and down the fucking staircase for the next two years like yeah, dangerously muddled is a great way to put it. Somebody did ask me about like so yeah yeah somebody asked me about superhero films because they don't watch them. It's like what's one you'd watch? It's like what do I recommend that's like a good dramatic kind of superhero film. And Joker came to mind just based on Joaquin's performance, but it's like I can't recommend this because it's fucking horror. Like the message yeah. is horrible. Um, I ended up recommending Spider Verse. Um, I think that's a solid Good one, job. right? If, you, if you're not watching superhero movies. Um, I guess the last thing I have uh, on today's episode uh, is I watched Path of Glory last night. 
Have you ever seen Paths of Glory? Kirk Douglas movie from 1957? Kirk Douglas, yes. You have seen it? The Kirk? Doug- Kirk. Is there another film about the same thing? What am I thinking of? Um, well, there's Glory. I've seen it. There's. Uh, I've seen it, but I'm, I'm mixing it up with something else. So, as well. Mixing up with the. Tell me what you're thinking of. Or describe what you're thinking of before you get your answers. Paths to Freedom? That's a. I think I'm mixing it up with Patton. (laughs) Okay. Don't know why. Could it be as simple as they both start with P A T? (laughs) Go on anyway. You watched it. Um, So it's a. It's a. It's a it's a World War One film. Uh, I've seen the image of Kirk Douglas in that helmet in black and white in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I this is TikTok did work at its magic. I saw a clip. I saw a scene with the three Ben <laughs> talking on TikTok, and I went, "That scene is fucking great." Um, I want to watch this movie, so I just uh, got it and put it on and. Uh, ignorance revealed for a moment the moment it came up with a Stanley Kubrick film I went oh it's a Kubrick film Um, I did not realize that Uh, I think that's it I think I think I watched Strange Love and that in the same weekend in IADT I I was watching it thinking Brian probably watched this in IADT that's the connection I think because I watched and then I went down and watched so George C. Scott in Strange Love he then played Patton in, in Patton. I think I watched them like the same weekend. There's a bunch of films I had on the list, and I think Pat's Glory and Strange Love and Patton were all on the same weekend. That's it. That's where. That's where you're getting the connections. That's where it's in my yeah. Well, uh, I think basically I'm coming to you to tell you if or to tell the audience if you have not watched Parts of Fru- Parts of Glory. Now I've got Paths of Freedom in my head. Sorry. Uh, uh, if you haven't seen Paths of Glory, fucking check it out. It's great. It's, it's. I didn't realize that it was. I didn't realize it had this legal component that that these men are put on trial and Douglas is this lawyer and this defense attorney basically, and so that's what kind of hooked me into it. I was like, oh, okay. I just thought it was a World War One film. Now. It is more a World War One film than it is a legal film. I've come to find out watching it, um, but the the black and white looks amazing. The trenches look so great. Like Kubrick is a visual um, lunatic. The the amount of people in the trench, the way the camera moves through, they're they're given a task to take a strategically important point. It's a suicide mission in essence um, but like their general just wants the prestige associated with having taken it and completely like the the military uh, uh, upper ranks have no regard for the people they're just like oh yeah we're going to lose 80% of them but just send them wave after wave and we'll see where we end up Uh, I was unsure to what degree a movie in the 50s was going to like represent like how much money how many extras how much land are we like how what scale is this going to be the attack looked amazing like it looked great the moment the time 
came for them to go over the top. Uh, Douglas's performance, that moment as he's he's marching, like he's walking through the trench, surveying his men, and looking at what's going on, and listening to the countdown as the the artillery bombardment stops, and the moment he just climbs up and hops above and starts waving his men up and blowing his whistle. It's such a strong visual. It's such an amazing shot. It's such a it's such an energy. It's such a like. I don't know who would have the the resolve or courage or wherewithal to step up onto that bank, turn their back on machine guns and, and, and urge their men out. I know many had to um, during that war, but it was beautifully done. And like the, that image, it turns out, is on the poster. Um, it's a great shot of him just, just the blowing whistle pistol in hand fucking urging them out of the trenches uh the general watching from a distance is great uh (laughs) there's a guy in it i think he's ralph meeker um he really has like david harbour vibes he's one of the people that eventually ends up on trial it was kind of fun watching him uh basically the battle goes fucking terribly wrong and uh they decide to try the the battalion for uh, cowardice and you watch that unfold it's I don't know I thought I thought it was gripping I really really liked it um, the the characters in it like it was such a, a play of a thing you know like you couldn't build that many sets but like um, strong performances strong characters the faces one of the things that was absolutely distracting was uh they are all of course french soldiers with solid american accents solid american accents i think there is see they just needed to do that thing where they speak in french for a minute with subtitles and then start speaking in english yeah and then you'd have no problem yeah it's it's solidly one of those things where it's like you know the way um, period or regional things tend to be with English accents. I honest mm-hmm. to God, I think I would have bought it more if they were sort of upper crust British accents. But when it's like yeah. local Yankee stuff, I'm like, mm, this is weird. Of course, we're doing it for France. You know, it was so <laughs> bonjour for the. <laughs> yeah. For the honor of France, we're going to take that hill. We're going to take that hill, and isn't that right, partner? It was it, like it wasn't quite John Wayne, but was. It might as well, be. yeah. And Douglas, I don't. I think I gotta watch more Kirk Douglas movies. Like I love Spartacus. I've seen a few of them, but like he, he just he held this this um, just. This real put together demeanor throughout, you know, he, he's just got this stillness and this confidence and this this even handedness, even in even in uh, in tense situations like the battle or, or where he's trying to like be the diplomat with his uh, with his uh, superiors, you know, trying to make cases whatever. But by the end, when he flips out and he gets he gets to really really be cook, you know, like he, he's he's his head starts moving and the chin starts going. Do you ever see that animation, The Big Story? Um, uh, I've watched it a hundred times. Uh, it's it's just he, he gets Hi. to go nuts at the end. Yeah, 
It's, you um, guys are all the same. It's really fun. Uh, for any so listeners, good. go check out. It's called The Big Story. Big Story, Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler in the 60s Batman, was also one of the best impressionists that ever lived. Mm. And he does a perfect Kirk Douglas. And The Big Story Three perfect is, Kirk Douglases. Oh, no, I mean, in his career, he does a perfect yeah. Kirk Douglas. And then they, they utilize him for this, for the big story, where it's the editor and the bitter journalist and then the kind of new up-and-coming journalist. Yeah, and it, it's actually based... He what, what was the... He plays a reporter in... Journalist, what was that film called? Um, the, well, this is where I was getting to. I need to watch more Kirk Douglas. Yeah, the it's based. Is it? What's it called? Hold on, I'll find it. I do, I do know what you're talking about. I just can't remember what the fuck it's called. Yeah, have you seen that? Have you seen it? Uh, I have seen. Let's see what I've seen from the the world of Kirk Douglas. Well, he actually. It's based on his performance in that, anyway. What's it called? Ace in the Hole. Ace in the Hole. Okay, no, I have not seen that. Yeah. Uh, check that out that is a long filmography starting in 1946 yeah, big story uh, it's stop motion animated but they also did a fully pencil animated yeah, version of it as well um, and it's it's Frank Gorshin doing an impression of three different versions of Kirk Douglas at like three different points in his career and there's some brilliant comedy in it it's beautifully animated and the impression is just yeah. superb. Yeah. You guys are all the same. <laughs> well, um, Paths of Glory. It's, I really enjoyed it. It's stunning to look at. When did the Hayes Code stop? Did it officially ever stop? Uh, let's find out. Hayes Code discontinued. 68. Okay, well this is well before that. Um, I was just wondering... The Hayes Code, one of the things in the Hayes Code was about um, uh, villains not being able to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't really want negative endings. But I guess it's kind of hard to call this a... Like, you know that you know the ending of this movie. But I guess they just play into the reality of the the nature of war and military structures. So, I'm going to watch Pierce Brosnan and John McTiernan's Nomads. If I can find a copy of it. Of course you are. Let's watch Ace in the Hole again. Have you seen it? You can find it. I've seen it, yeah. Okay, I'll throw on Ace in the Hole. That's that's my uh, episode 125. Have you any anything to add as we... No. Roll credit. 